It's Monday the 22nd of November 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. It's my honour to be joined this week by the author, translator and journalist Alta Sigmundsdottir. Welcome to you. Thank you. Um, in the news this week, there have been several big steps in several big ongoing stories. For example, we know that Althinki is going to sit tomorrow for the first time since the 25th of September election. And we know a verdict on the Northwest Iceland vote count and recount will be clear by Thursday. A lot else remains unclear, however. On the virus front, the booster shot campaign continues and there will be more non-vax or sorry there have been more non-vaccinated people in hospital than vaccinated at the weekend for the first time, even though they make up just 10% of the adult population. Those in hospital are said to be increasingly young men, vocal anti-vaxxers and foreign workers who have not been offered perhaps vaccines in their home countries and maybe didn't know they have the right to vaccination here, which they do of course. Interest rates don't usually make the cut on this show, um, but this week, for the fourth rate rate rise since May, um, that has been making people talk. Uh, There have even been claims that it was motivated by political ideology. We found out this week that Iceland's most popular baby names for the last year were, among others, Alexander. (laughs) (laughs) And on the same week, we found out that 2022 is likely to break the all-time record for the most babies born in Iceland. Foreign recruitment is not the answer to Iceland's nursing crisis, according to the head nurse, the head of nursing at Landspitali National University Hospital. But discussion goes on as to what might be. Reykjavik wants to be one of Europe's hundred sustainable smart cities. I say that three times loud. And finally, uh, the cats of Akureyri that have been under discussion for possibly being forced to stay indoors in the future have mobilised into a new political force and hope to sit on Akureyri Council following next spring's election. Where would you like to begin? Begin with the cats. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, Is it just a publicity stunt? Well, the driving force behind it has been known to launch these sort of very, um, shall we say, bizarre campaigns about various things. And so here you're talking about a cat or a human? Uh, no, no, the, the human behind the campaign. Yeah, maybe he has a cat who, um, who yeah, who, who he's working for. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I mean, obviously, it might be a little difficult to uh, get cats into onto the council. Mm. Uh, but of course, the people who own the cats may very well um, join the council. It's been a very heated topic, so uh, I can imagine that people would want to uh, do something to, yeah, get their their views across. Uh, and I expect that their views would be very anti uh, this law. That yep. they would want their cats to continue to be able to roam free. Yeah. Um, What's your opinion? Understandably. Well, my opinion is that um, I think it's very difficult to force cats to be inside, especially cats that have never been indoor cats. Mm. Um, Personally, I think it's in the cat's nature to roam and to hunt. And um, I have owned one indoor cat in my life. I have I owned several cats when I was younger, when I was a, a child growing up, and, and we had cats. And then uh, I tried once having an indoor cat after I moved to a big city, and I um, couldn't let it go outside. 
And the cat just went bananas. And I find that with a lot of uh, indoor cats is that they get really aggressive, aggressive, mm. um, because I think it stifles their nature. And um, I know some cat owners would disagree with me that have indoor cats and say, oh, it's perfectly fine. He's never known anything else. But uh, yeah, I think in this case, especially when cats are being forced to go inside that have been able to be free, uh, it's going to be a problem. And I'm not sure it's a very humane thing to do mm. to force that on the poor creatures. So, I mean, one of the things that they've been pushing for, I know that the people of Akureyri who own cats, is that their cats be able to live their lives outdoors, like to, to finish their lives so that there be some leeway if this law is implemented, which it may not be. I mean, it's it's set to take effect 2025 so there's there's still some room for them to uh, contest it and 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 I don't think it's even been voted on I don't remember but anyway um, I have a strong feeling that it, it won't happen now what about this kind of protest political movement it's not it's not a hundred percent dissimilar to Jonknar and the best party right any other True. similarities that you can think of there as an artist that's behind it yeah so who knows? I mean, it may it may turn into a pro- political movement, and it will be really, I think, fun to see what happened. I mean, everyone thought the best party was a joke when they first came out, and uh, and then Jon Gnar, who was behind it, became mayor of Reykjavik and actually did some really good things. And yeah, uh, yeah people were a lot of people were very upset when he decided not to run. I think for the second or third term. Mm. Now, Akureyri, though, is interesting because they're currently under a local government that's cross-political. All the parties are on the same side. They don't have a formal opposition there, Mm. which is kind of interesting that this is another sort of spanner in the works and it might make things even more interesting for next year's election. Mm -hmm. That's true. Very true. Yeah, it'll be fun to uh, to to watch, and if nothing else, it'll be a fun distraction uh, from the more serious topics, of which there are plenty. Um, so, COVID nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of. Mm-hmm. Uh, or would you rather talk about politics? No, um, whatever. Um, I mean, we're all sick to the back teeth of talking about COVID, um, but we are in the middle of this three-week. I'm not going to use the word lockdown, but slightly harder restrictions than we've had. Yeah. Um, not lockdown. No, it's, it's far not from compared a to some places. Mm-hmm. Um, numbers have been going down a little bit for the last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your inkling for Christmas, for example? I don't think we're not going to be back to completely normal by then, for sure. No. But um, any sort of what do you feel? We're not going to be. We're also not going to be locked in cupboards on our own. Mm, no. Probably not. I have a sense that it's going to be very much the same as last Christmas. I think people sort of staying in their own little bubbles and probably not doing much of the uh, Christmas buffet mm. tradition. Um, of course, so, buffets themselves have been problematic. Yes, they have. The very concept of having this open food. Absolutely. Yeah. So I expect that for the second year in a row, Christmas buffets will be, yeah, put aside in favor of perhaps staying home or uh, or getting food sent. Uh, I know some 
groups, maybe smaller groups, say workplaces or friends groups or whatever, they rather than going out to a restaurant buffet, they'll stay at home and have food delivered. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think people are, you know, most people are taking it in stride and, and trying to comply with the directions that are given by the health authorities. We all want this to be over, and I think we're all putting a lot of hope on the booster shot. Um, they're telling us, at least, that this may be the way out of COVID, so mm. let's hope that they're right. Yeah, and there's been quite a nice lot of leeway, at least at the moment, with this rule that you can have 500 people with speed testing, and the testing is free. Mm-hmm. And then you can multiply zones as well, like Harpa is putting three zones of 500 together. So they're able to hold big concerts still. And mm-hmm. this is some sort of, well, it's very different to last year. That's true. Yes. And I guess it's some sort of, well, maybe some sort of compromise. Uh, I think the um, chief epidemi- epidemiologist, he wanted more restrictions uh, and the government decided to not follow everything that he wanted. So this may be sort of their their way to um, to compromise in some way. But of course, we can't forget that the country's vaccinated. I mean, ninety percent of adults is has had at least two shots, if not three. Mm. So in that sense, we're, it's very different from last year, um, as you mentioned in uh, in the introduction. Most of the people who are now in hospital have not been vaccinated. So we're seeing like people everywhere uh, or or other countries uh, that it's the people who haven't been vaccinated that are getting the most sick. Mm. But uh, I mean, it's still it's still serious for those of us who are vaccinated, are double vaxxed if we get COVID. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there was a new ward opened last week at Landecourt, uh, the elderly care unit of L'Hospitali, mm-hmm. which they're hoping will relieve some pressure on beds. And that does seem to have been the main problem at the moment that we're dealing with. They always say, you know, yeah, may- maybe more people aren't getting sick, but if the hospital can't cope, we have to have restrictive restrictions. Yes. And the hospital hasn't been coping. Exactly. So maybe it's a, a sort of a, a build-up of these small steps that will help in the long run. I think that will also help in the long run. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the I think that the overarching problem, of course, is that the healthcare system has been severely underfunded for many years. And um, the, the, the medical staff, of course, um, are just overloaded and are resigning. You know, I think there have been five... Um, nurses that have resigned from the intensive, not the intensive care unit, the um, emergency unit at the National Hospital in just the last couple of weeks. Mm. Um, They just, they they can't cope anymore. And I mean, that's the failure of the Icelandic authorities for, you know, the last many, I mean, the last decade or more. Uh, There's just consistently been this problem with the hospital and it not being um, sufficiently funded. Mm. 
And I saw some statistic um, a few days ago about hospital beds. I think it was uh, from 1987, there were something like um, 1,200 beds per 100,000 people or something, and now it's down to 200 um, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably not getting it exactly right, but it was just it was striking uh, how you know much it has suffered. And of course, um, the population is getting older, and um, one of the, the major problems with the hospital is that uh, people are in there who should actually be in nursing homes, so elderly patients or or people who have um, long term diseases or something mm-hmm. um, who shouldn't be in the hospital. So they're taking up beds, and um, you know it's it's a it's a big overarching problem that needs to be dealt with on many different levels, and it's not something that can be um, rectified just you know in a month or or you know even though they set up a this new sort of uh, COVID ward. Um, Which they say the hardest problem is Manning getting enough staff. Yes, for... exactly. So that's the other side of the coin. Right is that is getting enough nurses or enough healthcare staff? Um, they're buckling under the the pressure as it is, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. And there was this report about uh, this, the possibility of recruiting nurses from abroad. And <clears throat> from what I understand, the World Healthcare Organization is advising Western states not to do that because. Uh, you know, there's a shortage of nurses worldwide. It's a worldwide p- pandemic, and uh, and if they're taking staff away from the countries that really, really need them, m- perhaps even more than we do, uh, then that's, of course, not ethically uh, sound and just not a good thing to do. Uh, the other problem, from what I understand, is that. You know, the cost of training foreign staff is much higher than training staff that already, for example, speaks Icelandic because a lot of care, um, hospital care involves communicating with uh, sometimes elderly patients who aren't that good in English or uh, and um, so staff that comes from abroad doesn't speak Icelandic. And so, you know, there are various problems. And I think that the solution is a long-term one. We need to a pay um, staff, healthcare staff, a decent wage. That's that's been a problem for for how however long I can remember. You know, there's always been uh, this call for higher wages for nurses or for for care care workers, and uh, and then of course to educate more. To, you know to make the, the job more attractive and then to uh, just step up and try and attract people into those programs. Mm. We wrote a story about this topic last week and uh, some of the responses to it were predictably perhaps, um, this is racism, they just don't want foreign workers, um, the problem with English is is a made-up problem, most people understand English just fine, why not assign non-Icelandic-speaking nurses to the people that are fine without speaking English? And a few of these comments and I, that I noticed on, on, on social media, for example, and you can understand that we do get these this feedback anytime foreigners are mentioned, basically. Mm. Um, but I don't think that's the way that the comments were meant by the nurse who made them, the head of nursing. She 
in the way I interpreted it anyway was saying, you know, we can't solve our problems by importing loads of nurses. Mm-hmm. Partly it's unethical and mm-hmm. more expensive, but also it's not the way we should be doing it. We mm-hmm. should be perhaps looking to the future and saying, well, this is a long-term need, a long-term problem. We have to deal with it. We can't just look overseas and, and try to solve it that way because it won't. it's not a long-term solution. That's right. And I, I mean, that would be a very Icelandic thing to do. You know, the Icelandic society isn't really very well geared towards finding long-term solutions. Uh, this is sort of the thetarettast mentality here is that, you know, you just sort of wing it uh, and look for a quick fix. And uh, uh, I think that a whole change in thinking, changing change in approach is required mm. uh, and I mean it's 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 been done and it's been possible for example it's the same problem with the teaching profession here you know teachers are consistently going on strike or you know demanding higher wages and and uh, complaining about their workload and so on and uh, and I the, they are you know severely underpaid in my opinion uh, and then I look at other countries that just you know, took a pol or made a policy of paying teachers a very attractive salary. For example, it was done in Germany, was done in Finland, and teaching suddenly became an incredibly attractive profession. So, and they're getting you know extremely good teachers. So, you know, laying the foundation uh, for success later on mm-hmm. is uh, is I think what what is required both in this and in in the uh, healthcare sector, of course, we didn't, we, we couldn't have foreseen that we would be dealing with a pandemic and that people would be, you know, so or this profession or the, this sector would be so overloaded mm. now. And but I think this is our chance then to to look to the future. And just as we end on that point, um, the story wasn't we're not welcoming foreign nurses we don't want foreign nurses it was we have quite a few foreign nurses already we're doing our best with them what we're not doing is going overseas to actively attract them mm-hmm. if they want to come here and work great mm-hmm. but we're not going to go and find them exactly which exactly. is different again i think it's very different and i i don't think that the race that there is a question of racism in this case at all um as i said you know the world health organization has you know, specifically said, please do not recruit nurses from abroad because there is a shortage worldwide right now. And somewhere in Northern Europe pays a lot better than somewhere in, in most of the world. And yes. therefore it would be quite an attractive proposition. And like you say, exacerbating a problem elsewhere in the world. Exactly. OK, should we move on yes. to the next topic? Mm-hmm. Um we're going to have to go to politics. Mm. Sorry for pushing you in the direction it's that fine. you maybe didn't want to go to, but um, <laughs> tomorrow is a very, very big day. Mm-hmm. I think he is going to meet for the first time mm-hmm. since since the election, mm-hmm. and we are going to find out what the Preparatory Parliamentary Credentials Committee <laughs> has decided. Yes, if they have decided one thing. I mean, they may have decided a couple of things and then... Uh, Parliament will have to vote on those proposals. Yes. Which will be two days later on Thursday. Yes. So it's taken an extraordinary length of time, I think, to get to this point. Two months. 
uh, from elections. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the word on the street, I don't know what the truth is, but some people are saying that the uh, the current coalition or the, the coalition that, you know, will continue uh, has been having problems uh sort of working out their coalition agreement. And so they've used this as sort of a, a smokescreen so that they don't actually have to uh, present their um, budget, which is what they, the, you know, the, the budget for, for the year ahead, and uh, which apparently they've been having, struggling a bit with. And so they've been using this issue uh, as a excuse not to have to convene parliament. I don't know what the truth is in that. I, I don't know, mm. but um, but yes, it will be interesting to see what what they propose for this debacle in uh, in the north northwest. We don't know much at this stage, but it does seem apparently that the accepting the first count is off the table, mm-hmm. and it's probably going to be a question of voting again, mm-hmm. which would be major major news, mm-hmm. or accepting the second the recount, mm-hmm. exactly. which, if that happens, could end up before the European Court of Human Rights, I understand. OK, I hadn't heard that. One but... of the people that complained about it originally mm-hmm. says, well, if I think he votes for that option, I'm going to send it further. Wow. So OK. It's yeah. still a big Not mess. Not for the first time <laughs> that the Icelandic uh, government has been... Uh, that, that a complaint has been lodged with the European Court of Human Rights against them. Mm. But yeah. yeah, so it's still a big mess. Um, mm-hmm. Thursday is supposed to be the crunch day. So so what happens tomorrow? Tomorrow is the parliament comes together, mm-hmm. the preparatory committee um, presents its findings, mm-hmm. and then a proper committee takes over from them, elected by parliament. Mm-hmm. Two days later on Thursday, they present their findings and Parliament votes on it and that will be binding. Yes. Whatever that will be. Exactly. Very, very interesting. Mm. And it's also quite interesting that Parliament is actually coming together because if the result is that there will be a new vote, then of course there may be new people, new MPs. That, you know, that I, I don't know what the procedure would be in that case, whether they would have to dissolve Parliament and then reconvene, you know, because then there might be a whole new setup. You know, there'll be yeah. some some MPs will have to, to go and, and new ones will come in. Certainly in, yeah, exactly. I mean, in a, in a first-past-the-post system, which is what I grew up with, if someone, if they have to do another election in one constituency, Parliament carries on. Mm. without one person. But in this case, it would be without nine people. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be much, much harder to yes. organise, I yes. think. Um, but, I mean, technically, because all of the other members are properly elected yeah. and, and confirmed. Mm-hmm. Really interesting point, that. Mm. I can't see we'll a 49-person, I'll think he... No. Work. I don't think no. they would do that. No, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> so I think... They would if if they decide to vote again, we'll have perhaps a different. I don't think it will change the results of the election per se. So much I don't believe. Well, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Right? Who knows? And what would that mean potentially for the budget bill? Because that is enormously important and mm. has to be 
voted on and passed before the Christmas recess mm-hmm. starts in, mm-hmm. in mid to late December. Yeah. Um, but they haven't even started discussing it yet. I know. Obviously. Yeah. And there are so many things that they haven't been discussing. You know, the really important thing, issues in these two months since the elections were. But do we have any inclination of, of, of what that could mean? Like if the northwest of Iceland is going to vote again mm. and therefore Althinki is disbanded again, mm. we're not going to know the result and have time before Christmas no. to pass the budget bill. No. And then what? Because that, that that's never happened before, to my knowledge, has no, it? No, I don't think so. No. no. I'm just not well-versed enough in, in you know, the, the technicalities of politics to know what would happen in this case. Yeah. But, yeah Could we have a Washington-style shutdown <laughs> of all public services? Let's hope not. Oh. Let's hope not. Yeah, that no, would. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that would happen. It, no it, it would be. It would be a Fetharatas scenario. Mm. They would somehow wing it. And you know, if there's one thing the Icelanders are good at, it's a crisis. So I'm sure you know, if it came to this crisis, they would rally, and I don't know, some, something would be done. Like no shutdowns. That wouldn't happen. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's it's not like. It's not a political crisis insofar as one that's been made and perpetrated by the political parties and the MPs. It's a political crisis of the system. And so, therefore, we've got a lot of people new to Althinki that are just excited and positive and wanting to get to work. And they're meeting tomorrow for the first time. So that's a positive thing. Yeah, (laughs) it is. I guess. Uh, It is. And it's, it's been interesting to see on, you know, the news... In the last few days, they've been taking uh, or doing interviews with people who have been basically at home just reading books, you know, MPs, Mm. these new MPs, well, not just new MPs, all MPs, and, um, you know, cleaning house or doing whatever. And then they calculated how much, you know, they've been paid (laughs) from the budget, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, I wouldn't mind earning that much money for staying home and reading a novel and hmm. yeah but most of them I agree but most of them would rather be working it does get boring Probably. after a while I assume yes exactly um, yeah well we are basically out of time um, but oh, just do, fast. I, isn't it <laughs> yeah. but um, the, assuming everything goes to plan and then Thursday perhaps the second the vote recount is confirmed and I think he's allowed to carry on mm-hmm. Um, obviously the budget bill and then I don't know what they will be doing then well, do you think they will have uh, a Christmas recess on schedule like they would usually or do you think that's going to overrun yeah I think they'll be. probably they'll try and push it back I think yeah. uh, I think that would be the right thing to do because um, there must be things piling up I'm sure there are yeah. lots of things piling up yeah I mean all kinds of stuff things. I mean, we have a, a pandemic raging, right? The the interest rate question, the, you know. Yeah. We yeah. didn't even get onto that, unfortunately. No, uh, mm. But it was a really interesting topic. Mm. Um, but, th- yeah, there we go. We'll just leave it there. Um, there's going to be, I'm sure, more on this very topic in the programme next week, um, which is on Roof English, uh, sorry, roof.es forward slash English. Roof English on Facebook through the Roof app and your favourite podcast platform on Monday the 29th of November. 
that just leaves me to thank my guest today, Alta Sigmundsdottir. Thank Pleasure you very much. Um, we finished today's programme with a collaborative effort from Hjalmar and Prince Polo. Together, this is called Grillith In. Bye for now. Stay the grill